0: Good morning, or more or less, good evening. Ladies and gentlemen, I think I had a British accent there, everybody, for a second. I don't know what happened. I was possessed. This is my bloody podcast. I believe it is episode eight, seven, eight, nine, in the middle, eight, crazy eights. I'm so excited. I'm Brian Kluger.
1: I am the fate, okay. fate of the podcast.
0: The it is it is it is it is the fate of the podcast. As my my sweet smelling my my Thelma to the Louise my my Jack Burton sexy
1: sax man. Oh
0: my sweaty sax man from Lost Boys, Preston Barta. Oh God, I love you and I've missed you. How are you today?
1: Good, good, good. How are you, sir?
0: Uh, You you could tell I'm very excited to do this tonight because we're going to talk about an awesome movie later on. We're going to talk about Hereditary, spoiler-free. We've been talking about this episode, I think, maybe since the inception Uh, and contraception of this podcast. So we're so excited that we've both seen it now Uh, and can't wait to talk to you all about it. Uh, Preston, what's been going on? Seen any good horror movies? You dive into some bloody guts here and there at all?
1: Oh, boy. Um, I watched about two-thirds of Night of the Lupus. Okay. The... The Giant Rabbit movie,
0: <laughs> which
1: which has been great. Um, I don't I don't know when's the last time you watched that, but that movie's kind of like a Sorkin film in the way that it's paced. Like it took me I had to rewind a couple of scenes to be, be like what 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 happened there? They're like talking so fast and like the pace of it's so quick. So uh, I'm curious to get through the rest of that. And then I watched Abomination or not Abomination. Uh, uh the abominable
0: the abominable that. yes okay so you yeah. i have seen both those it's been a long time since i've seen both of them i think i saw the abominable r- more recently
1: yeah, yeah so mvd rewind collection did a their 7th i think it's their 7th uh outing um or release that they have in their collection and uh i watched that last night with my wife and <laughs> Uh, she, yeah, she, uh, nudged me quite a bit throughout that and was like, Preston, really? And, uh, <laughs> it's, uh, uh, it was great. Um, it's, uh, exactly in line with a lot of the movies that you've been describing lately, especially last week with the invisible or oh, the, the incredible, the, the Melting man. incredible melting man. Yeah. How it's just good products, good effects, really bad movie, but still fun. So, yeah. Yeah, well, I've been watching some bloody shit.
0: Good. I like when you watch bloody shit. It's it makes me happy. <laughs> um yeah. Before we started this podcast, I have to say that Preston sang a song. It's been it's going to be in my head for the next couple of days. <laughs> Did it, were you listening to that song earlier today?
1: Um I, it randomly popped in my head because I was singing to my son as we were trying to put him to sleep, and that's the song that oddly popped in my head. And that's probably not a song that I should be uh, singing to my son at all, but he's nine months old, so it doesn't quite register just yet. But uh, my wife and I were talking about like how we're going to have to start watch uh, watching what we watch and what we say and what we do, and we're going to have to start speaking in code. And so uh, I'm trying to just... Get as dirty and bloody as humanly possible until i have to stop what stop.
0: what song were you singing <laughs> earlier
1: i was i was, I was singing a uh, bloodhound gang's uh bad touch <laughs> so oh. uh i i i told you before we started the podcast that that was my go-to karaoke song that was that's the one song that I I know from front to back. I could
0: I I can't picture you doing karaoke. Do you do karaoke?
1: Uh, I, I have occasionally had uh, a couple of friends like housewarming parties. Uh, I think the last one I did was probably a couple of years ago. But uh, and then Haley and I have gone to a bar. Uh, with a couple of friends that had karaoke going on so mine's bad touch and my wife's is strawberry wine
0: oh my god deanna carter i used to sing that fucking song unfortunately when i was in high school uh in the mid 90s and uh yeah i had no i did i was drinking wine coolers back then too but oh man that song strawberry wine Seventeen. Oh my goodness, you and me, baby <laughs> That's some funny Ain't stuff Ain't nothing but mammals Yep,
1: <laughs> Yep. turn me on, a Mr. Coffee
0: I like that, I like that uh, And I like that you're going to have to start speaking code words Like instead of saying like, son of a bitch You're going to have to say like, sons of Gondor or something like that <laughs> I'm very excited for this to see your code words for everything. <laughs> What's the code word for human centipede?
1: Oh, I'm gonna have. Oh boy, I don't know. We're gonna be writing our own Tolkien j. r. Tolkien vocabulary book here.
0: Oh, I like it. I like it. Um, well, cool. We got a lot. We got a lot of fun of horror stuff to talk uh to you all good folks who are listening out there about uh first off we are my bloody podcast we're on itunes and stitcher radio type in my bloody podcast type in type in preston barda type in boomstick comics type in the multimedia men mediocrity we're all it's all there it's all under one banner and it's amazing and fun lots of stuff uh Yes, I'm. i just just excited to talk with Preston all the time. It's just it's it's a good it's it's groovy, as Bruce Campbell would say many times. But let's get to some horror news here. Uh, Let's talk about um, this this Adams Family remake reboot animated feature. Uh, The the image is definitely interesting one um of the new Adams family animated movie it's going to be difficult to get past like you know the live action version with Raul Julia and Angelica Houston Christopher Lloyd uh because they were so good but now uh they have a pretty stunning cast here uh wouldn't you say sir mhm Um, you have, uh, uh, yeah, yeah, go for it. Uh,
1: I mean, when they first announced that Oscar Isaac, I I think I got excited about him playing him, uh, playing Gomez Adams in a live action version because he looks the part and he has that great mustache that he's, uh, sported in a, a lot of films. And uh, But it's okay. I, I think he'll still do good uh, voicing the character, but I still... I, I Man, I really wish it was a live-action version. But, uh, yeah, they have uh, Charlize Theron, who's going to be playing Morticia Adams. Uh, Chloe Grace Moretz playing Wednesday Adams. And then they have Finn Wolfhard as uh, Pugsley Adams. And then Nick Kroll as Uncle, Uncle Fester. Bette Midler as Grandmama. And Allison Janney as uh needler
0: yeah Margot needler i I, i'm i'm very like this is a hell of a cast like let me say it is a voice cast but needless to say this is pretty cool and then conrad vernon is directing it who directed the recent r-rated film sausage party
1: sausage party (laughs) so
0: you know we loved the live action films from the 90s And they just – they. what was so good about that was that it really wasn't that silly. It just was like a good wholesome family movie with the Adams Family Values type things, even though I think that's what they named one of the Uh, movies. And everybody played their parts so perfectly, and it's just going to be difficult to separate these two movies. But hopefully they can do it. Mm -hmm. What do you think about the animation style, what it looks like? I mean, at least from a picture, the – the Gomez uh, is like a big, portly dude, not like Raúl Julia, suave um, type of thing. No, it's a really yeah. He
1: look, he looks like the, the blueberry girl from Willy Wonka. Yes,
0: you
1: know. and their grandma looks kind of birdie. They all got like cuckoo eyes, and I don't know. They all got really weird shapes. It's kind of an odd choice, but. It's, it's almost has like this uh, Tim Burton, Henry Selleck kind of feel to it that maybe could work beyond just this concept art, that picture that they have here. Yeah. But uh, I used to watch, actually one of my favorite cartoons as a child was The Addams Family and the Beetlejuice animated series. And so I used to watch that pretty religiously on Saturday Saturday mornings, they they were uh, my babysitters as much as horror movies were when I was a kid.
0: Sweet, yeah. And this movie's supposed to be released October eleventh, two thousand nineteen. So basically, a year from almost Halloween. Uh, yeah, I'm cool. Yeah, I'm I'm excited about this for the most part. Um, I hope Nick Kroll does a good job as Uncle Fester voice wise. I like Nick Kroll, but. I think everybody else is like, douche. The, the, the douche. Yeah. <laughs> um is that Hello Tuna. Um and Bette Midler out of nowhere. She's in I haven't seen her since yeah. beaches. <laughs> now she's in this. Um, <laughs> uh, yeah, Adam's family. I I I guess I guess that's where we're going with this. So um we'll update you as more as we have that. Uh Hopefully they still have the great uh song. Do you do you remember from the old school the, the live action Adams Family movie, the MC Hammer did the song Adams Family uh song to the movie? Yeah. Oh I still I have that on vinyl, by the way. And it is amazing. And still great. I love it, it so much.
1: It's it's no it's not better than a ninja rat by vanilla ice, I'll tell you that.
0: <laughs> so I've had the option to buy Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles Part 2, um, for the the vinyl, uh, that had ninja rap. Go, Ninja, go, Ninja, go. I haven't yet. I should go. have, but I do have the Adam's Family rap by MC Hammer back in the 90s. Those, those were good times, man. I liked, I liked that. Um, alright, moving on. Um, Let's talk a little about a remake called Suspiria. We've been hearing about this remake of Dario Argento's pretty much magnum opus, Uh, Suspiria. It's finally getting remade. Uh, What do you think about this? The trailer's out. what do What do you think?
1: Um I'm totally down with this trailer because like the movie that saw our feature review hereditary kind of has this uh all this unsettling imagery all throughout there's you don't get a good sense of what the story is about because from what I understand it's a big departure from uh the original film 1977 film And so, and I'm, I'm totally okay with that because I recently watched the spirit not too long ago. And I can't remember if I brought it up in podcast pass, but, um, it's visually beautiful movie just does not really do it for me. I think do it for me because I think it's a little too ambiguous as a film. Like there's just not a whole lot to really, uh, grab onto. And I feel like luca guadagnino's uh take especially after seeing something like which is the polar opposite uh uh, call me by your name the movie that he he did last year that got a lot of oscar attention and um so i'm yeah the the trailer did it for me i think it has that same kind of look doesn't have the bright colors as the original film but and i kind of want uh didn't goblin do this score
0: Yes, Goblin. Yes, Goblin did the score, and it's fantastic.
1: Yeah, but we're, here we have Tom York from Radiohead doing it, so I think he'll bring a whole new level of haunting to it.
0: Yeah, so, I'm super uh, excited I have high
1: about hopes. I have super high hopes for it. Right?
0: Me too. I think
1: It'll deliver.
0: I think so too. Yeah, the trailer looks good. Um, I remember, you know, the first time I watched Suspiria, the original. Well, I, was, I was young. And uh, I I remember I still think it's one of the biggest jump scares ever in a movie, and it involves a dog. And I think it just takes (laughs) everybody by surprise, but it's fantastic. Um, But, yeah, the movie's about, like, an American chick who goes to uh, Europe to dance – uh, like not strip dance, but like dance in a troupe. Um, and then she kind of realizes like where this dance academy is, is like some sinister shit. Um, you've got Dakota Johnson and Tilda Swinton, who's going to be, I feel like one of the best villains ever. Um, as well as Chloe Grace Moretz is in this. That's the second time we've mentioned her today. So yeah, I think it'll be it'll be one of those good remakes, I think. Um if not a little better because like Preston said, the first Superior is a very visual film. Uh and I think I, I think, think so. this will be as well, but I think it'll rely more on story and dialogue more than the first one did. What yeah. do you, you think so?
1: I think so, and I hope so.
0: Yeah. So check out that trailer uh now uh, it is online and yes. it is all sorts and
1: and you can buy the original i think uh the damn it uh, scorpion releasing it's okay I, I, awesome. I don't know if it was scorpion it's it's some uh big company that i just recently started getting into and the name's escaping me but they did a beautiful uh two disc collectors edition of the original film. And I'm sure if you even search the Spiria Blu-ray on Amazon, it'll be like one of the first ones to pop up. And they did a, a steel book. That's probably really hard to find at this point. But uh, I, I would suggest uh, watching that beforehand and then get the trailer and then getting excited about it. uh, it's release later this year.
0: Cool. Um all right, we've got a we've got a we got to talk about a new movie from Bad Robot, you know, the JJ Abrams production company. Um, it is called Aporia, and it is in uh, pre-production or production right now. Uh, it is being described as a sci-fi horror drama with time travel stuff. And I guess if JJ Abrams and Bad Robot are attached to it. Let's talk about Cloverfield sequel. This could be it, you know? They're always secretive with these Cloverfield movies. Uh, there's been three so far. So I wonder if Aporia is going to soon become the next uh, Cloverfield thing. Are you Are you into the Cloverfield movies? Are you excited about anything Bad Robot does? What's the deal?
1: Oh, I'm excited about it. I mean, uh, I like... So many people got pretty pumped up about the one that hit Netflix, but ended up being dog shit. But uh, I, I'm always, I'm always there to watch whatever JJ has up his sleeve, and uh, I'm really excited about the one that's coming out later this year in October called Overlord, um, which it supposedly isn't too connected to the Cloverfield franchise, but is, it, but it is I don't, am not tr- truly, uh, or I'm not entirely certain, but. Uh, the idea of World War II and Nazi zombies has me pretty excited so anything that just feels different uh, has my ears perked up but if something else wants to tie itself into the Cloverfield world like I guess that Netflix film did what was it called again the Paradox
0: yeah Cloverfield Paradox maybe
1: yeah whatever it was Um, it, it was just bunch of running around on a ship uh feeling like alien and wasting my time and then it connects to the first film in some way spoiler alert uh but uh uh, i would rather have something that's not just playing with itself the entire time and actually fully commits and so uh I, i yeah always down for more bad robot shit
0: yeah, me too. I am totally on board with that. Um, if this is it, this is the one. I think they've, out of three Cloverfield movies, they've done two really good ones, in my opinion. I still like the first one quite a bit, and I love 10 Cloverfield Lane. So, oh, yes. Uh, so hopefully we'll get more of that. Uh, moving on, we've been talking about the reboot uh, sequel kind of thing, sequel of Halloween. The trailer finally drops this coming Friday. So we're excited about that. And they've been – the studio has been showing more images and giving a little more plot details about this. So I'm just – I can't wait to see this. I can't wait to talk about it next week too um, because I'm a huge Halloween fan, like all Halloween movies. So I'm just excited to see, you know – Jamie Lee Curtis back in her role as Laurie Strode. I'm excited to see Mike Myers back again. Uh, I, I'm very much into this. So finally, we'll get a trailer. Hopefully, it's good. Supposedly, it didn't test well with audiences, at least the ending. So I guess they're doing reshoots now on it. So I don't know. What do you think?
1: Um, yeah, I heard all that news, too. But um, I, I have faith. I I don't know what kind of audience saw the film. I, I I'm willing to bet that David Gordon Green and um, Kenny Powers, Danny McBride uh, do a pretty good job with trying to make the movie feel familiar but also new, and so maybe that's what. Uh, the test audience didn't react too well to was that it felt probably too like it felt new and, uh, and I hope it does. I, I want it to feel, I want it to exist on its own and have a reason more than just being like, Hey, yeah, we haven't made one of these in a while. We're going to revamp it and also kind of capture the spirit of the, the original film and then kind of ignore everything of what happened in all the sequels. And then just make, make, something so i i hope it has more of a reason for existing and i with talent all involved and from these images which look really cool um i i'm I'm willing to bet that the trailer will have us even more excited and i think the film will be good
0: yeah uh me too i i hope for the best um
1: even if they play the silver shamrock song I'm still there,
0: dude. That I love that Silver Shamrock song. I, oh, yeah. I, I'm t- I tell I tell you, <laughs> Halloween three is better than it uh, than people give it credit for. Because um, after Halloween two, uh, they didn't bring back Mike Myers for one movie, Halloween three, season of the witch, and basically, I guess the studio really wanted to like do like an anthology series of movies where it would be something like different about like the holiday halloween uh but people just wanted mike myers back so after part three they brought him back uh but
1: in the great part four by the way i love part four
0: yeah i love part four a lot but halloween three season of the witch man that is some dark dark territory about a corporation that wants to kill all kids like in a gruesome way too it is amazing so it's so, yes, yes, yes. Um, but yes, Halloween, we can't wait. We'll talk about it next week, hopefully, the trailer. Um, uh, moving on, Scream Factory is hilariously, and by God, amazingly yes. releasing the Texas Chainsaw Massacre, the next generation. All right, folks, you know what the Texas Chainsaw Massacre is. You know Leatherface, you know Chainsaws. Would you believe me if I told you that in 1997, uh... The people, some people made the Texas Chainsaw Massacre the next generation. That starred Renee Zellweger and Matthew McConaughey. Um, yes. I think it was ninety four, actually. Well, was it ninety four? Okay, uh, yeah, and it is. Um, it, it was directed by the same screenwriter as the original Texas Chainsaw Massacre. It's very interesting, <laughs> um, but yes, Kim Hinkle directed it, and it is. It is insane. It is so crazy that you're just, you don't, oh man, it's, it's bad. (laughs) It's not great. It's, it's, I mean, I think it's just in kind of an insane type of movie, uh, that you have to see it to believe it. Um, and then plus you get to see Matthew McConaughey in like one of his more, like his crazier roles. Um, like there's like little instances of it in, uh, oh, what's that movie where he played a a cop (laughs) directed by William Friedkin? Oh, uh, Killer Joe. Killer Joe. There's elements of that in there, but it's like times 10 here. And have you seen it, uh, Preston?
1: It's the first Texas Chainsaw movie I've ever seen.
0: Oh my goodness. This (laughs) was the first one you were, oh, I can't believe that. I mean,
1: it came out, it came out in 94. So that's right when I was. Uh, I mean, I was really young. I was four years old, but,
0: um,
1: I, uh, I remember watching this one, uh, pretty well on VHS. And so, uh, yeah, I, I, rem- I couldn't really comprehend like what I was really watching. It's just like, I, I guess at that age, like when I was, you know, eight or something, uh, you kind of think that all movies are good. They're like, it's eh, that's not so bad. <laughs> um, so, uh, I'm excited to go back and uh, revisit this. And I love the cover art that they created, for, uh, that Screen Factory created for it. Um, it's a nice little collector's edition.
0: Yeah, it's, it looks super fun. The soundtrack was amazing for it. You have, like, Rocky Erickson singing one of my favorite songs of his called Two-Headed Dog. You have Daniel Johnson singing stuff in it. Uh, it's a fantastic soundtrack uh, it, it, it's, but it's 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 insane It's I don't think it's actually been available on home video since 2001 when it was released on DVD at some point or maybe even 1999 yeah. uh, so I'm glad finally Scream Factory is releasing this crazy ass film yeah. <laughs> that you one, have one
1: of one of many that they've announced this week. Uh, I mean, this one works well for our podcast, but like city slickers and all, um, the the one with, uh, dang it, Nick Cage movie that's escaping my mind. I don't know if you remember. Seen
0: an uh, announcement Which, for that? Oh, Nick. Oh, uh, yes. I'm trying to remember what movie it is. Yeah. So, City Slickers wouldn't be Scream Factory though. They'd be this shout shout fact, select. Yeah. Yeah. Yes. Which I think City Slickers is one of my one of the funnier movies ever made. I love that. I love those films. Um, it would be great to do like a horror City Slickers type of thing. Um but yeah they the, the Scream Factory and Shout Factory are just they're just on the ball here. They just they're just doing good things over there. And Valley Girl. Valley weird. Girl, yes. Um anyway. So lots yeah. Of cool stuff. Text Chainsaw Mask Next Generation on Blu ray very soon from Scream Factory. Look for it. And if you want to see Matthew McConaughey and Renee Zellweger literally be insane in a movie for like an hour and a half, you need to see this movie because you won't believe it. <laughs> You're like they did So, so do
1: you think? Uh, do you think Days and Confused was like their audition, or what really got them the role? Since they're both in it, but Renee Zellweger is just kind of like in the background of Days and Confused.
0: Yeah. So it's funny if you watch Days and Confused, you'll see Renee Zellweger on screen. I think she has a total screen time of maybe eight seconds, but she's there, clear as day. Uh, At
1: the party at the Moon Tower sequence.
0: Yeah, that and at that when she's like, um, you know, like spraying all the food on all the little freshman girls. Um, Yeah, but it's it's you know when you look at that film and you look at this film, you're like, yeah, how did this happen? Yeah, it had to be auditions wise for somehow uh because this was both back in the early parts of these people's careers and I'm glad they did it because it's just fun to have and like yeah they did this and it you know it didn't make any money really but hey you got to do something somewhere and I I'm, I'm sure I'm sure Matthew McConaughey had an amazing time doing this movie so
1: yeah I wish in some way I don't know if you've listened to like a lot of Ben Affleck's like early commentaries for his like nineties movies, but he just has like a heyday and he's just enjoying watching himself. And I just kind of wish we could go back in time and get a uh, Matthew McConaughey commentary track for this movie with a young Matthew McConaughey, not now, like he's all season serious McConnaissance actor.
0: <laughs>
1: I want him when he, I want him when he was crazy and young, get drunk and, me Whatever too. Else he was getting
0: into. I want that. And just to give you a, uh, if you have never seen Text Chainsaw Mask with Next Generation, Matthew McConaughey's character's name is Vilmer Slaughter. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, it's just Vilmer Slaughter. It's Vilmer. So we're, we're dealing with good stuff here. <laughs> uh, yes. yes, yes, it is. So uh, moving on, what other horror news do we have, Preston?
1: Uh, you brought up uh, Peter Block's Pumpkinhead reboot. They got yeah. a screenwriter now, and they're going to be working on getting it back on track.
0: Yeah, I. Uh, so I love Pumpkinhead, like the movie, uh, a lot. I'm a big fan of that movie. So that being remade, yes, I could see it being remade. But, oh, dude, do we really need it to be remade? I don't know. Um, no,
1: we don't. That, yeah. There you go.
0: That's the answer. Yeah, see there you go. So yeah, the the guy, the producer Peter Block who did The Ward and Frozen, not the animated movie but the Adam Green one, uh, you know, acquired the rights to Pumpkinhead and they're uh they're doing um, they're they're doing a remake. Who knows if it's actually going to be any good. Um I swear to god if they do a CG Pumpkinhead, I'm just I'm completely out. Because what was so cool about the original Pumpkinhead that was like a giant actual practical effect prop monster from Stan Winston. So
1: the great, the great, great Stan Winston.
0: Yes, and I believe Stan Winston actually directed the original movie. I think it was like his directorial debut. Yes. Yes he did. Uh, So you got Lance Hendricks. Yeah, it's just it's a good movie. See the original one. But yes, I guess this is getting steam. I hope they don't mess this up, but I I, fa- I don't I don't have hope for this one, like I do for Suspiria and Halloween. Yeah. <laughs> no. So, right. there you go. I don't know what else we got.
1: Uh, Doom. Doom. Yes.
0: Doom. So they're making another Doom movie, I guess this time without the Rock. no
1: bring him bring him in there somehow
0: i yeah seriously i mean they had the rock back uh when he was not as popular as he was now but uh yeah there's um they're they're making another doom movie uh this will be a direct-to-video one so i don't know i don't
1: telltale sign right there
0: yeah and it doesn't look like there's just uh There's nobody I recognize in this movie. So,
1: Amy Manson, Louis Mandelore, Dominic Moffan, Nina Bergman, Luke, Ellen Gale. None of those sound familiar.
0: Yeah, nobody. So I guess, you know, some of these movies that are direct-to-video actually are pretty good. But if you're not have The Rock and you're not making a big action budget do movie, then we don't want it, you know? That's my take on it. <laughs>
1: uh, yeah, I agree.
0: Yeah, that's what I'm going to say. So, do movies coming out. There's a few images on social media for you to look at. Uh, some of them are fairly bloody. So, we'll most likely get another scene where it's first-person shooter style. Uh, but, again, you know, who knows how this is going to look on screen. It might look super cheap in dumb but at least the photos kind of look like there's a decent size budget but who knows why it's only going straight to video weird yeah. um i have a question for you uh Fire away. question is uh you probably played video games in your life right uh, a little is there one video game that really scared you like what's the best horror video game you've ever played
1: I played a lot of Devil May Cry, and uh, what was the name of the one with the clown and the the, the trucks?
0: Oh, Twisted Metal.
1: Yeah, Twisted Metal. Yeah, played a lot of that, and that kind of freaked me out a little.
0: Oh yeah. What 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 about Devil May Cry freaked you out?
1: Uh, I guess the 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 villain designs. Uh, they gave me something to dream about.
0: All right. All right. Very cool, and I, I I love Twisted Metal and like the the Sweet Tooth. I think his name was was like the scary evil clown ice cream truck. Uh, yeah, they really made the box art of him and in, even in the game pretty frightening. Even though it was kind of like a car derby type of game, but yeah, I still think it was pretty cool.
1: There was like little stories that they would do. I one of them did. I can't remember what the name of the game was, but I just remember it having like an all black cover. And I think it's for PS2, maybe PlayStation Two. Yeah. Um, and they had like little stories that they would do. Uh, whenever you would encounter this person, or uh, when you select that player, I don't remember how the 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 function or like how the game actually works, but I just remember they're having little stories here and there, and they had uh, creepy uh, images that that they uh filled in between the game that were pretty haunting to me as a child
0: yeah that's good anything you played recently that's pretty horrifying
1: i'm not i don't have time to play games anymore <laughs> so uh <laughs> nope nothing nothing scary a bunch of lighthearted shit like uh star wars games on my phone
0: <laughs> well then sir Um, There's a few games that I've played over the years. I still play video games. so um, And I love horror games. A few of them that really stuck out to me uh, were uh, the Dead Space games, specifically Dead Space 1 and 2. Those were just... Perfectly scary and gory and frightening on all costs, and it was very alien like, like the movie Alien and Aliens. Oh, there was Mm -hmm. those, those gave me nightmares. Um, as well as a, a video game that was only a teaser game, um, it was called PT, that was all it was called, and it was supposed to go with Silent Hill, Norman Reedus. Was the guy in it. And basically it was this like. Playable teaser game. To get you ready for a big game. That never actually happened. Um In it you basically wake up in this house. And you have to go through this weird like. Time loop where you keep walking through the same house. But every time you walk through. There's something different. And it like increasingly. Gets. uh Really fucked up. Or more messed up. Um In that uh, in that regard, because it is super terrifying. I mean, there's just like horrific imagery, sounds that go off, blood, dead things, and it it's pretty terrifying, but super fun. That's that's a game you probably won't want to play in the dark by yourself at night when it's raining outside um, because you will scare yourself. Also, probably my favorite game ever and by the scariest game I've ever played was for the Nintendo GameCube, and it was called Eternal Darkness. Holy God, that game was next level good. Um, They tried to make a TV series and a movie off that. never got off the ground. I think they've tried to do a sequel to that game, but it's never happened. Which is unfortunate because it made tons of money. And it was so good where you play like this um, chick who inherits her dad's old mansion and just all sorts of spooky stuff starts happening. You start playing different people from different time periods and it's all demonic and hell and all sorts of other stuff. But the really cool thing about it was that, you know, in some games you have like a health meter and like a uh, kind of like a spell meter or magic meter or something like that. In this game you had a sanity meter. So if your sanity went down, the game would fuck with you. So like your TV would turn off and then turn back on your volume would go all the way down then turn all the way back up. Uh, your character's head would like get really big and then explode with blood. There'd be things crawling on the screen like, Oh, it was so good. And so much fun. Eternal darkness. If you've never played that, please find that. Um, and I guess, in honorable mention for PC gamers, Phantasmagoria 1 was an excellent uh, horrific game that had a lot of nudity in it, which was always up my alley. So, video games, horror, there's good ones out there. Um, is that it for news and everything? Are we doing my bloody recommendations, sir?
1: My bloody recommendations.
0: All right. I'm excited. What you got for us today with my bloody recommendations?
1: All right, so uh, I guess to kind of go along with the summer feel, a good summer movie. One of my fa- my all time favorite horror summer movie is Jaws. And so this past week, I rewatched all of them. <laughs> and
0: Michael came for.
1: And so, yep. And that's the one that's my uh, bloody recommendation this week uh, is Jaws the Revenge, the fourth one, 1987. Uh, It's the lowest rated film in the franchise. I think it has a 0% on Rotten Tomatoes. Um, But I guess that was before Rotten Tomatoes was around in 1987. So take that uh, as you will. Um, So, yes, the fourth one. This one's Jaws the Revenge. So we pick up with... um, uh, Chief Brody, his wife, who is now a widow, and she believes that her—this is this story is like dead simple—believes uh, that her family is being uh, targeted by another shark in search of revenge. Because somehow the shark has a consciousness, but uh, or conscience, and, uh, well, I guess you can kind of question that with all of them. But this one deliberately has a vendetta against the family and is targeting them out— uh, For reasons that you don't really know, other than that uh, maybe the shark knows exactly what happened in the first film, in the other films, or maybe it's the first shark reincarnated. I don't know. None of that's (laughs) that's quite answered.
0: None of that's explained.
1: (laughs) Yeah, the the whole movie does not make sense at all. And that's probably where a lot of people hated it and gave it the 0% on Rotten Tomatoes. But... I go in kind of like uh, me and my buddy Cole. Again, we're going to bring him up every uh, every podcast. Uh, we were talking about Jurassic uh, World, the, re- the, the new one that's coming out, uh, Fallen Kingdom, and how uh, me and him both didn't really like uh, Jurassic World upon first viewing. And then since then, we've kind of grown to accept that it's just it's just a dumb monster movie at this point That's says it's never going to be jurassic park so it should feel different and that's kind of the same feeling i get from both actually from jaws 3 and uh jaws the revenge but um i was uh particularly surprised with this one revisiting it uh because i think it's actually a pretty effective uh horror movie in a lot of ways it has a lot of tense moments that i think uh the director joseph Sargent, uh who, who passed away a couple of years ago um i think he did the movie nightmares 1983 nightmares okay Is that ring a yeah, bell yeah 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 um, so um there's like a really good uh death scene in uh this one um I think it happens about two-thirds way through the film. It's when one of the granddaughters of uh, Chief Brody's uh, widow, whose name is Ellen Brody, played by Lorraine Gary, um, she's, the daughter is on one of those uh, inflatable tubes, and then there's like five other people that are on it, and then the shark is looking for all the relatives that are in this bloodline the brody bloodline and uh is about to kill the granddaughter but ends up getting the woman that's right behind her and it's you you know how in the original like you see that little kid get murdered and it's it's horrific like you just see like a a quick shot and then you just see and you're kind of confused as to what you're seeing and you just see the blood kind of just flowing up in the air and then once it registers, it's the same way that it registers with uh, Chief Brody when they do that really good dolly shot, and you're just like, oh! Um, <laughs> this one straight up shows you everything, and it just shows the shark grabbing the woman, and then the camera just, the way that it pulls away and then even zooms in on it, it's uh, it's terrifying and kind of unexpected uh, for... Uh, a Jaws movie, but I guess this one, because uh, the original's PG, which shouldn't be PG, but that was just how the, the rating system was back then. This one's PG-13. Um, so they, they do a really good job with uh, the kills in this one. And um, there's a really good uh, tense uh, sequence with uh, the, the older brother, Michael, who is uh, Chief Brody's son. Uh, he was a kid in the original, and then now he's all grown up. He was played by Dennis Quaid in the third one. They have since recast both him and his younger brother, um, Sean. And so Sean is like the the, the chief or the, one of the, the – the, I guess – I think he's the chief. He's like the head cop guy. Those are, like, details I kind of, like, skim past, and I'm just focusing on the the kills and the murder and everything, Uh, the fun stuff for a Jaws movie. And uh, so Lance Guest is now playing Michael Brody, and uh, he has children of his own, and um, he's worried for his mom, who is freaked out. I guess I can kind of say that the first few minutes of jaws the revenge sean brody is killed quite horrifically (laughs) and then (laughs) like it's it's bad like he gets his arm bit off and he is like investigating this thing in the water and then the shark just comes and gets him and then Uh, Lorraine, uh, Gary, Ellen Brody, her spider sense is tingling. It like pops up in the rest of the movie. Like later on, whenever Michael is in trouble, she's like, the way that the (laughs) camera like cut cuts back to her. Um, it makes it seem like she's like, she knows she has a feeling. She has a gut feeling and it's kind of corny. So the editing is not very good. Uh, the way that they just chose to do parallel storylines and, um, uh, and then actually even some of the, sh- the sh- shots of with the shark, with the close-up shots, they almost feel kind of recycled from the first one. Even when it kind of comes to um, the end of the movie, um, you know how these movies end. They all end with the shark exploding. It's like the Death Star. Like, you just kind of expect <laughs> it to happen in one way or another. They have a bomb. They shoot a gas tank. It's electrocuted and blows up. This one, I swear when it happens, they just use the same footage from the original. I really think they did.
0: They probably did. I would have met. Why wouldn't they? You know, it saves money and they don't have to. Take
1: they, it too. <laughs> yeah. You know, Michael Bay gets away with it all the time. It's okay. Yeah. It works for him. He makes a lot of money. So, um Yeah. Uh, it's uh, it's a surprisingly pretty good story if you can get past the idea that this this one shark reincarnated from the first one i can only assume it has it out for the the Brody family and just knows exactly where they are at all times and can swim like like a, a mofo and can get from one place to the other so quickly and just knows that they're exactly in that very boat, is, if you can get past all that, and that's a lot to get past, I think you'll love it. So I think you should give it another shot. And that's uh, Jaws, The Revenge, 1987. And they got some pretty cool uh, releases, uh, or a good Blu-ray release out for that film, Um, or actually all of them. But they put all the focus into the first one, but they have got some pretty decent releases for that. I actually bought a... uh, my wife got me a region-free Blu-ray player for my birthday last month. And so Jaws 2, 3, and 4 were all packaged into a UK release. And I bought that and had a with it. So I enjoy it.
0: Very cool. Very cool. I am surprised you said Jaws 4 The Revenge. It's been a long and you time up, since I've seen it.
1: And you brought up Michael Kane Michael Kane is in it. And so is Mario Van Peebles. And Mario, and Mario Van Peebles is actually pretty good in it. Uh, he has like a Jamaican accent and says Mon a lot. But um, he, he's, the, he's the comic relief of the movie. And I just enjoyed the hell out of him. And, and at the end of the movie, you think that he gets killed. And you're like, oh, no, I liked him so much. And, he's, and then he goes down and Shark takes him underwater. And then he ends up popping up, so it's kind of like, I guess like a Marvel character just like came back somehow, miraculously, so
0: enjoyable. That is good, that is good. Alright, I have a totally different one, not even in that same vein. Bloody recommendation for you. You went fun with it, I like it. I went serious with it this time, it's usually the other way around I think, isn't it?
1: yeah it
0: usually is um my bloody recommendation to you uh, this fate of the bloody podcast uh today is the phantom carriage a 1921 film uh by uh, yes we 're going way back silent era type of thing um to a movie called the Phantom Carriage, which is really cool movie and uh if you're a fan of horror films, you kind of got to see this one. It is, uh, it's damn good. It actually really influenced Ingmar Bergman um, quite a bit in his career, um, this movie, The Phantom Carriage. Damn good, damn fun. Um, basically, this movie uh, is about basically the last person to die on New Year's Eve before the clock strikes 12 um, is doomed to take the reins of Death's Chariot. Uh, and then work quite a bit collecting fresh souls for the next year. Um, Damn,
1: we we should just remake this, uh,
0: right? <laughs> it, it's, it's a good storyline. Yeah, it's re- it's really cool. Um, so, what it's known for, really, uh, or known quite a bit for, is that it actually had quite a quite good visual effects for the time and uh its narrative uh had a lot of flashbacks and even flashbacks within flashbacks uh so it's kind of one of the first movies that kind of really utilized a lot of that um but it's it's super cool and super creepy a lot of the imagery and like images are just super just what this is crazy it's a it's a ghost story um and it's actually kind of moving too uh and I don't want to give anything more away about it than that um but it's it's haunting uh and it's just it, it. There hasn't been anything like it been made since. And like Preston said, I can't believe this hasn't been remade because it's just kind of a cool movie. Uh, luckily, you can watch it uh, if you buy the Criterion Collection. There is a Criterion Collection Blu-ray uh, with tons of uh, really cool stuff to it, um, including two new scores, interview with Ingmar Bergman. Uh, it's, it's really cool. It's a Swedish film. So... Uh, Swedish film cinephiles uh, have at it. But yes, if you've never seen The Phantom Carriage, I think you'll really like it. I imagine Preston will want to see this at some point, right?
1: Yeah, it looks like there's a couple of adaptations out there. There's one that came out in 1958. that I think it has like actual dialogue in it.
0: Ah, all right.
1: So so there's more out there. But uh, yeah, the original sounds... Pretty interesting. I'm about to watch a silent film myself, The Birth of a Nation.
0: Oh, yeah. So, yes, me too. <laughs> so
1: so uh, maybe I'll be right in the mood.
0: Yeah, do a double feature there. But yes, uh, Jaws 4 followed by The Phantom Carriage. Both almost the same movies. <laughs> Exactly. Uh, But we have to talk about our main event of the evening of the podcast of the eighth episode. Oh my goodness, Preston. The day's finally here that we can talk in length. But no spoilers. As spoiler-free as we can about the upcoming horror movie that comes out this weekend. That you should all run and see. I must say this movie Hereditary is the true definition of horror. Hereditary. Oh my goodness. I finally saw it. I know Preston has seen it before. Good god, man. This movie really fucked me up and I still think about it. Like I still have problems like looking at the ceilings or at dark corners when the lights are off.
1: <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um I think I don't know if it's in conversations that you and I have been having in general or just because I've been talking about this movie quite a bit and talked about it in past episodes. But, um, I, I was, uh, pretty, I guess I was a little apprehensive about it. If you kind of look past, uh, 80, a 24s involvement, which is great, great studio. They're just kicking ass. Um, and they have a lot of great stuff coming up, but, um, I was apprehensive because it it premiered at Sundance at the Sundance Film Festival back in January of this year, and people started saying it's the most terrifying experience that they've had in movies in, in this decade. And and so anytime somebody starts saying that, I, I, I think that they have festival goggles and they're talking out of their ass and trying to hype it all up. But uh, this movie is the real deal. Um, I saw it at uh, South by Southwest back in March. So it's, it was many movies ago. So it's not fresh. Fresh on my my mind, which probably is a good thing since we're trying to keep this spoiler free. But the fact that it's been three months and I'm still talking about it and have and it has nothing to do with that, that the movie's coming out this week. But um, just because it's been on my mind a lot, there's uh, certain images in this film that I don't want to spoil, but they they involve people, they involve certain characters hitting their head repeatedly against things. And, uh, there is one moment that I, like, I could spoil so quick. It's just, it's a movie that just kind of takes something that feels like a troubling brew and takes it into, like, a deranged red zone. Um, so when this moment happens about halfway through the movie, and it's, it's a big moment, um... The way that a, a certain character handles the situation is is what terrifies me. It's not a in the moment scare. It's not a jump scare, which are effective in the moment. But this one just just makes your your fingers curl and your the hair on the back of your neck raise up, and uh, it's 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 a moment that. Invades uh, many of my thoughts throughout the day, and I've thought about it. I think probably every day since then. I, I don't want to like build it up too much, but it's this movie has a way of really, really getting under your skin, and I think it's because this uh, this director Ari Aster. This is his uh, directorial debut. Um, and he comes in like he's been doing it for the past 20 years. Uh, not only does, is it a, a great horror movie, but it's a great movie in general. Cause I think they do a very good job of establishing the characters, making you feel for them and understand their motivations and understand what makes them complex human beings. And they all are so very different from one another, but also similar in certain ways, um, especially between the mother played by Tony Collette and Charlie, which is the young creepy girl that they highlight in the film's trailer that's, you know, seen uh calmly cutting off a bird's head with scissors and treating it like art and uh like it's arts and crafts. And then uh Tony Collette's character whose name is Annie Graham, which I guess could be Annie. Maybe. Yeah. Uh, maybe the director is playing with that. And so it just kinda of plays with like what's reality and what isn't and what's uh otherworldly uh satanic witchery kind of shit. And um she builds her character builds these models and the movie even opens up with a shot of the model and, and you begin to wonder, is this real? Is this the this is the house? And and then there's like a uh, a, a, a scene later on that she uh, builds a model to kind of like capture the scene of a crime, and uh, it, it it almost kind of plays for laughs because it's so effed up. But um, the movie's are probably a, a little slower for mainstream audiences. I can see a lot of people being because this is probably this is going to be a 24s biggest release that they've done. Um, and it's a different kind of horror movie. It's not like the, like the conjuring or insidious, which are all great movies. I enjoy those movies a lot, but these are the, this kind of horror movie. And I think even Suspiria is going to be this kind of horror movie that I was hinting at earlier, um, is going to be the ones that I think about the most and am so willing to engage in conversation with people. Um, Just because of the imagery, because of the story, because of the characters, everything that I've mentioned. So I enjoyed the hell out of this movie, and I look forward to watching it again. I don't think my wife will go see it with me, because for me, once you see this movie, you just want to talk about it with somebody. It's like you've collected all this information, uh, demonic information. You just got to let it out. Like, you got the genie in the bottle. You got to let it out. And so... Uh, I was just telling my wife, I was like, there's one moment in the movie that I can't get out of my head and I got to get it out. And then she's just like, I'm never going to see this movie because I showed her the trailer. She's like, nope. And so I uh, told her what happened. And so at this point, I don't think she's going to watch it. But uh, uh, you should go see it. Everybody should go see it.
0: Yes, you should. There are moments because I've seen a lot of crazy stuff like movie wise. And it's very rare for me to kind of have my jaw hanging on the floor. There were a a few moments where that actually happened in this movie. Um, Some of which I know what Preston is talking about without giving spoilers away. Uh, But yes, there are moments in this film where my mouth was literally hanging on the floor in shock. Like I was like, what? Oh and the film just builds the suspense and tension over a certain number of time and oh my goodness it is just it's the perfect blend of the horror that you've wanted for so long um they just this slow burn storyline just will keep you on your toes and and then it hits like 100 miles an hour <laughs> at like a snap of a yeah, finger
1: yeah that th- that that last 20 or 30 minutes is just it, – it, it reminded me a little bit of A Quiet Place where my gut was just like in so many knots that I was just – after I got out of it, I was like, God, I'm going to be spending like the whole night trying to untie this damn thing. <laughs> and um, I, I, I really don't – I don't think I slept – that much that night, just because I was spending the night, I was at South by, so I was staying with a friend. And so I spent the night at his house and, um, it, I, you know, when you're in an unfamiliar territory, things can be kind of scary. So just like walking in the middle of the night to go get a drink of water, you think you might see something lurking in the shadows. And there are moments that are very much highlight that idea, um, in in the final moments of the film that are truly truly disturbing uh, to say the least. So yeah, I, I think you and I recommend the hell out of this. This will probably be one of my favorite movies of the year. Probably make my top ten very easily um, because it's just right up my alley. The kind of horror the kind of horror that I enjoy um, along with uh, characters that. I- I can identify with or or just the perfect amount of messed up that it feels specific and I like that. And so I think that's what makes me like uh, movies that maybe feel otherworldly, but as long as they're specific, I can pull myself into that film's reality. And so that's what I got from this. And so, uh, yeah, big, big thumbs up.
0: Yes, I agree with Preston. You know, to add to that, it's really cool to see, you know, how why one of the reasons why this movie is so effective in the horror genre is that, you know, much like The Exorcist, how that was kind of a slow burn over time until the last 20 or 30 minutes. but. What we get in both movies as The Exorcist and Hereditary is that you get to spend time with these characters for a while to see them in their normal, more innocent like standards. So everything yeah. kind of seems realistic and like, oh, okay, we're here. I can bond with these guys. And then all of a sudden, you know, you take what is innocent and good and like, you know, family like, and then like literally just like throw it down the stairs into <laughs> a really bad place. <laughs> And then you get to see that transformation.
1: And it's just...
0: Oh, oh, man. So good. And I think that's how... Like the girl,
1: the girl from Exorcist going down the stairs, spider, or the back, backwards style. It's kind of cre- creepy.
0: Yes, yes. Uh, it is... Yeah, it is full of stuff like that. And it's just... It's just damn good, and, like, the score to the movie is very reminiscent and, like, Mm. eerie as, like, the Shining score was. Like, it just added that much more suspense and tension in each scene, and it's it's just done. I I have no doubt that you will have – this movie will leave a permanent impression on you. Uh, Yes. No matter what, so, yeah. Hereditary, Please run out to see this movie. It is fantastic. And Toni Collette is just a damn fine actress and damn good here, as is everybody else. But Toni Collette really does shine here.
1: Yeah, her performance is so raw that you can almost feel her being filleted right in front of you.
0: <laughs> yes, <laughs> it is so good. Um, but yes, Hereditary. Ah. Uh, Yes. All right. I believe that wraps it up. Um, our eighth podcast. Uh, I can't believe we've done eight now.
1: Fate of the, the bloody podcast. Fate.
0: Fate. <laughs> and we'll be fate. back. The, the fate. Eight. Uh, it's always fun talking with you, Preston. Where can everyone find you other than this podcast?
1: You can find me on freshfiction.tv, and the features that are there are some cool stuff all the time, including uh, reviews for Hereditary, and you can actually find my review slash interview for Hereditary over at Denton Record Chronicle. Awesome. And I interview...
0: Oh, no. Cutting out, buddy. Oh, no. He said he was about to interview somebody, and I have no idea who he's interviewing. Oh, no. There he is. Yeah. All right. Uh, Preston, uh, you cut out there. Um, repeat what you just said. You were interviewing somebody.
1: I was interviewing Ari Aster, who's the writer and director of the film, and the girl who plays Charlie, played by Millie Shapiro, and then Alex Wolf who plays the, the older brother, pot-smoking brother, in the film.
0: Awesome. You got some good interviews there. Uh yeah, you gotta get over to the denton Record Chronicle and FreshFiction.tv to hear those interviews and read those. Um yes. because Hereditary is awesome and worth your time. Um but yes, we'll be back next week with episode nine. Oh my goodness, it's number nine. <sighs> nine 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 Nine, 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 nine. Ooh, <laughs> it could be like a german nazi zombie movie we do who knows yeah. <laughs> yeah oh so good but yes thank you for listening to my bloody podcast we are on itunes and stitcher radio please subscribe and preston it has been a pleasure sir
1: yes it's, yes
0: see you next week